This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio joins the fight to help conquer cancer with our trusted contributors at the Canadian Cancer Society. Welcome back. Well, I am here with our trusted contributors from the Canadian Cancer Society. We're talking about prevention, which, of course, is a lot better than going through treatment. Trust me. And here's one of the things. Do you know what your individual cancer risk is? Uh, That's an important thing to know. I can tell you that I wasn't entirely aware of my cancer risk, and it was very high. Uh, There is a new online tool to help you figure it out. And I'm here with Susan Flynn, who is our trusted contributor from the Ontario Division of the Canadian Cancer Society. Hi, Susan. Welcome. Thank you, Libby. It's great to be here. Okay, tell me about this tool and how people can use it. So this tool is called It's My Life, and it can be found on itsmylife.ca. It's an interactive evidence-based tool created by the Canadian Cancer Society to educate Canadians on cancer prevention and to empower them to take action to reduce their cancer risk by understanding what the different factors are in terms of your everyday lifestyle. So there's 16 lifestyle risk factors included in this tool. Okay, so uh, so basically you have to kind of tell the truth about what you actually do? That's right. Okay, well, so confidential. <laughs> okay, so give me a sense. Maybe you could you could read out some of the some of the questions that people will go through. Well, the different factors that people will be asked to talk about is uh, their smoking, for example, uh, their body weight, uh, what their diet is like. You know, in terms of vegetables and fruits, are they physically active? Uh, are they sedentary? And also alcohol consumption. Those are just a few of the lifestyle risk factors that the tool will ask you questions on. Then you fill that in as honestly as you can. And then it will give you um, some information about your risk for cancers, what cancers you might be at risk of, and then provides tools and resources to help address those factors in your life. When it gives you a sense of your risk, does it give you a percentage or does it, how is it classified? Is it low, high, medium? Uh, What information do you get at the end of this questionnaire? It's based on your risk in terms of low, high and medium. Okay, so uh, it, it, it was interesting. I saw something else on the weekend which approached this from a slightly different uh, vantage point, and it was a story uh, somehow uh, the, it had been calculated how much of your life is taken by bad behaviors. So it was, uh, you know, almost two years, I think, for a bad diet, um, the same for uh, being overweight and not exercising. But here's what surprised me. Drinking only cut two weeks off your life. Well, I think it's a combination of different factors uh, that can contribute to um, decreasing 
your risk. I think what we see with drinking alcohol is that some of those cancers that you can get from drinking alcohol are preventable. However, as you said yourself earlier, going through cancer treatment and recovery is it can certainly impact your quality of life in the meantime. Uh, yeah, and afterwards, actually. Yes. Uh, so uh, the idea behind this tool is is to get people thinking about prevention, right? It is. Uh, we know from research that most Canadians are unable to identify risk factors that are definitely linked to cancer. So only about half of Canadians, for example, identified vegetables and fruits as being associated with reducing cancer risk. And only about a third identified alcohol as being a cancer risk. You know, there's more and more coming out on alcohol and cancer, especially uh, breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, uh, you know, some of the numbers on it in terms of how much alcohol can can increase your risk of cancer is pretty bracing because it doesn't, it doesn't look like it takes very much. It doesn't. And we tend to underreport or underestimate how much we drink. Uh, but we would say uh, it's understanding what, the, what we say when we say drink less than one unit if you're a woman per day, less than two units if you're a man per day. Well, what does that mean? So, for example, most people are surprised to find that one unit of wine is five ounces. As I'm sure you know, most restaurants serve six ounces as a minimum. Uh, one beer, 1.5 ounces of liquor. Those are considered a standard drink size. And so when, when you hear about moderating drinking to less than one drink or two drinks, we really are talking about adhering to these standard sizes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, actually, you know, I found uh, lately a lot of restaurants do serve five-ounce glasses, but I think it's just a way so they can charge more for the bigger <laughs> glass. But, but yeah, I noticed that a lot lately, so I guess uh, that's pretty good news in terms of, of uh, you know, sometimes, especially if, if you're out, it can kind of get away from you how much you're actually having. Absolutely, absolutely, and then drinking a lot at once is more riskier than, say, having one drink a day. You can't save it up and have seven on the weekend. In oh, one binge go. drinking <laughs> can yes. be uh, yeah. really bad for you. Yeah. Uh, so when you go through this risk calculator, and so you fill out the questions, hopefully honestly, and it comes out with uh, medium risk, does it then get specific about what you can do to moderate that risk? Yeah, so it will suggest... Um, different lifestyle factors that you could uh, modify. And it's not only based on the risk, it's what you've said. So if you've said that you eat a lot of food with sugar, it will provide tips and suggestions for reducing sugar intake or reducing alcohol or, you know, quitting smoking if you already smoke. So, And it will also then link to resources because it's one thing to say stop smoking. It's another thing to provide resources and supports so that somebody can actually take that step now that they're aware of the impact and the cancer risk. With lung, everybody knows, but with some of the other ones, like alcohol or even being obese or overweight, not very many Canadians really associate that with cancer risk. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I, I see uh, or have seen very many competing studies on whether it's possible to be healthy and to be overweight or obese. And, and it seems to go back and forth. You know, I see some that say absolutely not and some that say, yes, you can be healthy. So so what is the bottom line on that? Well, there is no one healthy weight for everybody. It really is very individual based on somebody's body size, metabolism, age, 
lifestyle, diet. It's really important to talk to your doctor and, and to do an assessment from your body type about what healthy looks like and what it doesn't. Um, the doctors use what's called a BMI. It's a tool that they use to assess using a height and weight ratio. Uh, I think that in terms of healthy eating and active, being active, uh, not drinking a lot of alcohol and not smoking, those, regardless of your body type, uh, will impact your uh, cancer risk. And it's very easy to, now I know that a lot of people disagree with BMI, which means body mass index, mm-hmm. but it's very easy to figure it out online. You put in your height and your weight and it, it spits out a number and uh and if it's under 18, you're underweight. And if it's over, I think, 24, mm-hmm. you're overweight. That's correct. Uh, and, and should maybe do something about it. We're going to have to take a quick break. I'm going to give the numbers again because maybe you have questions about your own personal situation and how to figure out your risk and how most important to mitigate your risk. The number is 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with Susan Flynn, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Division of the Canadian Cancer Society. And we're talking about figuring out your personal risk for cancer and what to do about it. We'll be back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. We are back, and I am with Susan Flynn, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Division of the Canadian Cancer Society. We're talking about a new online tool that can help you assess your personal risk for contracting cancer, and uh, uh, the tool will also give you some ideas on how to mitigate that risk. I'm going to go right to the phones, and we've got Simone in Toronto. Hi, Simone. Hi, Libby. I just wanted to ask uh, um, the association with um, wine and and liquor with uh, breast cancer. Uh, I just wanted to mention, like, uh, um, to ask about countries like France, Italy, where they've always had wine at the dinner table and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, do we have a greater incidence of breast cancer there? Susan? That's a very good question, Simone. I can't really speak on this at authoritatively, but I think in France, while uh, wine is a regular part of every day uh, and the meals, it, it may not be that there's a lot of wine drunk at those meals. It may uh-huh. just be one uh, glass. I'm wondering perhaps whether it's also in combination with all the, the chemicals we eat in foods today that we don't prepare. Uh, if we prepared our own meals, we'd have less. I think I'm wondering whether all the combination of all the chemicals we have in prepared foods and, and the pesticides and things like that perhaps contribute to, uh, you know, uh, to that. I think that's a good point, Simone. Mm-hmm. I do think that uh, an array of unhealthy lifestyle factors can right. combine to certainly increase cancer risk. I just so, wondered. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, thank you. Okay, thanks, Bye Simone. Now. Bye-bye. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the it's, it's one thing in uh, European countries, there isn't, well, I can't generalize, but I'm saying where people have grown up with wine as a part of their meals, there's probably less of a tendency to binge drink. And, and they also introduce young people to it, so you don't go crazy when you're young the first time you're exposed to alcohol. Yes, I think that's a good point. I think that it's part of an everyday balanced lifestyle, as Simone was saying, perhaps when uh, 
you know, there's so much added sugar in the foods that we have available to us today. When you make your own food from scratch using healthy ingredients, that's going to contribute to a healthier lifestyle. Also added salt. So uh, let's talk about sugar. For So how does sugar contribute to cancer risk? Well, um, I think, first of all, only one-third of Canadians are aware that excess body weight increases the risk of developing cancer. So there is a link between sugar, gaining weight, and increased risk of cancer. It's not that the sugar causes the cancer. It's that the sugar, especially with so much added sugars in our foods today, cause weight gain and obesity, and that can cause cancer. Okay, well, it's good to know because not many of us do. Let's go to the phones. We've got Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Um, I hear you talking about the people in France and places like that to drink a lot of wine with their meals. I was there. I have relatives there. And the wine that they drink with their meals is generally what's called table wine. The alcohol content is about 4%. The stuff we buy here, people look at the label, and if it doesn't say 10, 12, they're not really interested. So it's a little different over there than here. The table wines that they drink are very low alcohol content. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's what my brother-in-law told me. He says, oh, he says, well, how can you drink all that wine? He says, well, it's only table wine. It's 4%. I thought table wine just meant it wasn't as good as the Reserva. <laughs> it's lower, lower alcohol content, and that's probably why they don't have as much trouble with it, because people here, if you try to sell a, a 4% wine, they wouldn't buy it. <laughs> you know, It's the same with the beer. Like, one time we used to have Sunday beer, 3.2%, and that was, you know, you're drunk on it. Now they think, you know, a couple of bottles of beer, I only had two, but it was two at 75 or an 8%. It's a big difference. Okay. Um, Susan? I think that that that's a fair point, Bob. I think, you know, what we say uh, at the Canadian Cancer Society, when you look at the actual Mm -hmm. components of the alcohol, so ethanol, which is made, alcohol is made out of, that can uh, be converted into uh, ethanol or acetaldehyde in the body. That's right. Uh, Those are the cancer-causing components. And and actually, the messaging we give is whether it's one and a half ounces of spirits, Okay. Or a five ounce wine, or a twelve ounce beer. Yeah, it, there's still a cancer risk there. Okay. It doesn't really have to do with the alcohol oh, percentage. Myself, I don't drink any of it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> then that's that's myself, certainly the best message. And it's my the reason is not religious reasons. I must be in control of everything I do at all times, no matter what. I can't take sleeping pills. I very rarely ever take a prescription drug. I have to be in control of what I do. And if you're drinking and you're not in control, I can't take that. <laughs> okay, well, okay. good to know, Bob. Thanks okay. for your call. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I have to say, I mean, that sounds like a good lifestyle choice, but I've also seen studies, and again, you know, you see so many studies, it's hard to sort out sometimes, that say uh, somebody who drinking in moderation is better than being a complete teetotaler. That's true, Libby. There have been some studies that have uh, shown a decreased risk, say, for example, of heart disease or a lower body mass index if you have um, a a glass of wine, for example, every day. However, at the Canadian Cancer Society, we don't recommend taking up drinking to improve your health. (laughs) What we recommend is that, you know, um, in terms of being able to uh, decrease the risk of the, you know, that these one third of of cancers that or one one third of 
cancer incidences that can be prevented, it's through healthy eating, maintaining a healthy body weight and remaining active. Mm -hmm. How do you help people get started with this? I mean, when it comes to exercise, this is one of the things that I personally harp on a lot. And I think just about everybody knows that you need to be active, that it's healthy, but it's so hard for people to get started. It is. And again, on um, itsmylife.cancer.ca, you will find some tips in terms of um, how to improve your physical activity. We would recommend, don't worry, just start small. Every little bit helps. And then you can gradually increase your activity level, even different things that you do during the day. So for example, I walk five flights of stairs up to my office instead of taking the elevator. Wow, that's good. Five (laughs) flights. In Um, heels? uh, No. (laughs) I keep my heels in the office. Um, You know, you could swap 30 minutes of television for a 30-minute walk every day. It doesn't have to be swinging around at the gym or lifting heavy weights. Even 30 minutes of moderate activity a day has been shown to help um, maintain a healthy body weight and to help decrease cancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, The prevention of cancer, yes. What do you find is harder for people to start exercising or to start eating a healthier diet? I think it depends on the person. I really do. Um, sometimes at some time of year, it's easier to, to get out and have a walk. It's not so attractive in January. Other times of year, it's easier, uh, you know, around the holidays or during the summer. It's, it's harder to eat healthily. Um, so I think it's different for everybody. I think what we would say at the Canadian Cancer Society, it's, it's about balance. It's about, you know, make sure that you are ac- uh, being active and eating well and maintaining healthy body weight on a regular basis, more or less every day, with, of course, the occasional treat and recognition that every so often, you, you know, you deserve that piece of cheesecake. But it's a, we would say it's about balance and moderation. Now, it, one of our callers, Simone, made a good point about people not cooking. How much does that contribute? So it's not only that you're not cooking your own food, but it's harder to know exactly what's in prepared food. It is. Uh, there's a lot of added sugars to the foods that we eat every day, even foods that you wouldn't think because they're not sweet, like salad dressing. Whereas uh, if you cook at home, you can uh, control the amount of sugar that you would add to your food. And in fact, really with most recipes, I think except jam, you could half the sugar recipe and still have the sugar that's in the recipe and, and still have a nice tasting um, dish at the end of it. it. And you know, so much of it is is kind of what you're used to, that the more sweet things you eat, the more you crave. And um, I'm trying to remember how long it takes to change your your craving or the taste for sweet. I don't think it takes it takes that long. I mean, and, and I know personally, I can't stand, I like sweet, but I can't stand it when things are too sweet. And to me, most prepared foods, they're even dessert, it's like just too sweet. Well, I think that you can wean yourself off your um, liking sweet foods. We have a great little um, uh, event coming up at, at the Society called Sugar Free September, where we're encouraging people to sign up to go sugar free for the whole month to get a sense of, of re, you know, re, reorganizing their taste buds and to help raise some money for cancer research and supporting uh, 
people living with cancer and their families. So uh, you can visit our website, cancer.ca, or go to sugarfreeseptember.ca, sign up, and then there'll be helpful uh, hints that are sent to you every day through instant message or an email to help you you determine what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, and, and then see how you feel at the end of the month. So this is, let me just uh, get a handle on this. So this is, you're supposed to be completely free of sugar for a whole month? Well, we provide guidelines. So for example, um, not drinking uh, sugar-sweetened beverages or teas or coffees, pop, uh, energy drinks. And then in terms of food, not having baked goods or jam or anything that, you know, just really cutting out. It's not saying to sort of find the sugar in everything, but really what we would typically associate with sweet food and cut that out for a month. Oh, that sounds hard. Um, and are people raising money? You're just saying, yes. sponsor me to be sugar-free? Exactly. Oh, exactly. That's a, that sounds like fun. That Well, it's been popular. We've had, uh, it's, you know, almost the end of August, and we've had a lot of people sign up from across the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something I guess you can do at home. It's not like an event where you have to get out there and be there at a specific time. Exactly. exactly. And it really will help raise awareness of the level and amount of sugar in our diet and uh, really help educate Canadians around how they can decrease that sugar intake because of the link between um, excess sugar and added sugar and weight gain, and the link between weight gain and obesity and cancer risk. Do you have uh, any idea about how hard it is to quit sugar for a month, um, feedback from people? I've never tried it. <laughs> this is the first time that we're running this in Canada. So we will be doing some follow-up surveys um, to, f- to determine what, you know, how it was for people. Does this, are they more aware of sugar in their diet? Are they, like you said, find sugar foods now just too too much? And, you know, we'll be following and tracking And I think that'll help us. I mean, I know for me, I was encouraged, I'm a Catholic, to give up sugar during Lent when I was a child. So I do know what it's like not to eat sugar um, for a month. But then I would just save it all up and eat it at the end. So that's not really what we're recommending. So what was it like to not eat sugar for a whole month? I don't remember it being that hard. I think, you know, you have sugar cravings for a few days and then you just, you, you, um, you look for natural sugar. So eating more fruit and veg and, you know, more foods where there's naturally occurring sugar. Because we all need a little sugar in our diet, but we can get that from naturally occurring um, foods, not from added sugar foods. Are there any fruits that you should stay away from? I know that, that some fruits are very high in sugar and there are some diets where they say don't eat certain fruits. I think if you are on a diet, say if you're a diabetic and you need to really, it's important not to eat high fruit content. But for somebody who's at average risk, doesn't have a health issue that would prevent them from having very sweet fruit, we say all fruit is good fruit. All mm-hmm. vegetables are good vegetables. Okay, that sounds that sounds good. Before we go, I'd just like to get a, a, a little bit of info about, a little more info about this sugar challenge. Uh, it, are there any fundraising guidelines that you're giving for it? Everything is provided online. So uh, we would recommend that you tell your friends you're doing it and see if they will, uh, you know, support you to do that. Or maybe you could put the money you usually spend on your sweetened coffee and, and uh, pastry every day into uh, this fund instead. I think there's lots and lots of ideas that are, are being recommended to help people. And people are being encouraged online to share what they're doing and, and uh, how they're making it through September without uh, consuming any sugar. And uh, are some people doing this in teams so they can support yes, each other? Yes, definitely encouraging teamwork. 
do it as your whole office can do it. Your whole, you can do it with your siblings, with your children. Um, it's, Ooh, it's I don't really know how many children would like that. <laughs> well, what we're saying for families with children who they want to do it, but if maybe do one day or one week. It's just, it's about awareness raising. It's about setting those habits at a young age uh, is where this can be very effective with the children. And September is a good time of year. You know, we're getting back on track. We're getting back to the gym. You know, it's back to school, back to routine. It's a really good time to take a look at your diet. That makes sense. For a lot of people, September is is like uh, the new year, and I guess it's going to give you an opportunity to get some data on how people do with this. That's exactly right. Okay, well, thank you so much, Susan Flynn, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Division of the Canadian Cancer Society, and good luck with that challenge in September. Thank you. And if I can just add again, if you want to use our interactive tool, it's it, it's my life. .cancer.ca. Of course. I encourage everybody to check it out. It's a, a really great tool. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.